Next on BYU Sports Station, reaching your full potential. Here's looking at you, BYU basketball. When will this class of Cougs reach the pinnacle? A BYU in the NFL update. Bill Hubert covers the Green Bay Packers and will let us know what the chances are the former Cougar linebacker Manoa Pakula can make the squad. Plus, NCAA tournament game day for the WCC champs. BYU softball, the conference defensive player of the year, Lauren Bell, joins us live. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your host, Spencer Linton and Jason Hey, what do you know? BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Thursday, May 19th, wherever. And however, you are dialed in. Great to have you with us in Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with... Hall of Fame intramural coach, Jason Shepard. You know what? I, I've always taken my coaching cues from uh, former Utah Jazz head coach Jerry Sloan without the swearing, though. <laughs> Is that possible? Can you be effective without that approach? Oh, I, I, I'm a Hall of Fame intramural coach with that tactic. So, yeah, I think you can be, I think you can be pretty uh, successful with it. Okay, in all seriousness, last night, uh, we, and I, when I say we, Jerem Jordan and myself, along with uh, a bunch of the crew from BYU Broadcasting, were shooting a commercial at the BYU intramural fields. Kickball, softball happening. And I'm like, hey, that guy kind of looks familiar. And he's calling me over to the fence. I'm like, oh, it's Tanner Mangum. So I realized very quickly that Tanner Mangum and Nick Kurtz and the Jurgens brothers and Chris Badger and Eric Takanaka and Colby Pearson have established like this softball team. And not only that, like, I'm like, are you guys competing at the highest level? And they like almost scoffed at me like, oh, of course we're in Division One. We want that D1 title. What are you going to do if you go to play softball and you look on the other side and there's Tanner Mangum <laughs> and Nick Kurtz? Like, immediately your soul is just crushed. <laughs> like, the competitors in them, it translates everywhere. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. I was like, this is the BYU football softball team. That's awesome. That is. Do you know how they did? I'm assuming they won. They said... <laughs> Tanner's a humble guy. I'm like, you know, how are you guys doing? And he's like, we've we've gotten off to a pretty good start. So at that, that means I'm, they're I'm like, they're probably winning every game by like ten runs. I don't know, but it was fun. It was fun to see that. And then a little bit later, what do you know? Eric Mika is on another part of the intramural <laughs> field. So it's like it was all BYU athlete night at the intramural fields, and I couldn't believe you weren't there. What, what's the Hall of Fame coach doing? I I, uh, I was going over my game plan. Uh, <laughs> what was, game plan was, was that? I was at the Hall of Fame intramural coach banquet. <laughs> I had to attend that. That's why I was not there. Oh, good recovery. Good backpedal right there. The BYU Sports Nation headlines led off by this. BYU Baseball Game Day hosting the Santa Clara Broncos. Final series of the regular season in West Coast Conference play. The Backcats still have a chance to win the WCC title with a strong showing this weekend. Mike Littlewood says it's got to be a sweep. Watch Game 1 tonight, BYU TV, 8 p.m. Eastern. Mike Rucker on the mound, BYU's ace, 10-0. Win. Yep, <laughs> that's that's what we've come Win. to expect for sure. BYU women's softball begins NCAA regional play tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. The Cougars face 15-seeded Missouri, who they lost to earlier this season. The game will be televised on ESPN2. WCC Defensive Player of the Year Lauren Bell will join BYU Sports Nation in about 40 minutes. It's NCAA tournament tournament game day it's awesome 
The Cougars are on ESPN2. How about that? The women's golf team playing their first round of the NCAA tournament as well today at the Eugene Country Club in Oregon. BYU will play the opening round following today's practice round to avoid playing on Sunday. We talked to Carrie Roberts, the head golf coach of BYU women's team, yesterday about that no Sunday play issue that's been getting all sorts of national attention. They've never had to deal with it because BYU has never advanced to this point in the golf circuit. So it's definitely a good thing that it's something that we're talking about right now. And I would like to thank you very much for giving me this headline. Uh, Men's volleyball head coach Sean Olmstead announced Wednesday this signing of... All right, I'm going to take a deep breath. Miki... Good. Why, Howie (laughs) Einan. Pretty good. Okay, all right. I'm going off the phonetical spelling, and that confuses me. Not not bad. Uh, by the way, Miki J is a middle blocker <laughs> from Finland. He will join the team at the end of the season and be available to play at the start of the 2017 season. We've got to get those details right. <laughs> if Jason has messed that up, please I, no, sir, honestly, immediately tweet I, the I'm show. I'm going off of the phonetic spelling. Why, Howie Einan. <laughs> Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Reaching the full potential. I've worked out with TJ already once. I know that things are just going to click right away, and we have some, some great guys on the team. I'm just excited looking at the roster, seeing how many just strong players we have. Fresh off a two-year LDS mission trip. Eric Mika joined us in Studio B not too long ago and talked about getting back to work on the BYU basketball court. He's a sophomore. He will join freshman TJ Haas and sophomore Eric, excuse me, uh, Nick Emery. Okay, I almost said Eric Emery. I don't know who that is. Regardless, the Lone Peak Three, as we have dubbed them, are back together. And he said in his words, I know that things will click right away. What is right away? How much time is it going to take for them to transition back into the role they were as national champions of the high school circuit, according to Max Preps? Now, I've had some conversations with different BYU basketball players lately, Jason, and believe me when I say this, they are well aware of the expectations, my friend. And what do you think those – I mean, you've heard them. When we say expectations, what are you hearing? We're hearing Final Four. Okay, they're well aware they feel it while they embrace it the pressure to succeed is tangible and you have to wonder is that a good thing is that a good thing for this BYU basketball team to have those type of expectations heaped on a program well you can decide that different teams respond differently to the pressure we poke fun at that sometimes because we're media members it's not fun for us to be like well one game at a time right we're only going to talk about Arizona (laughs) Yeah, nobody wants, nobody's going to tune in if that's all we're going to do. All that said, one game at a time, even the old ball coach, who our very own Jason Shepard interviewed at a recent BYU baseball game, added his enthusiasm and excitement and doused some more fuel on that hype fire that fans know all about. I'm a lot more excited than the fans, I can tell you that. We've been waiting for a long time <laughs> to have these guys here. I'm, I'm excited for the group. I, I think that... Uh, It'll be the youngest team we've ever had in my 11 years here. So we'll have to kind of get through some of those, uh, you know, young, inexperienced issues. But I like the group. I like, you know, how they uh, how they compete together. Okay, he says that to you. What goes through your mind in well, that moment? Well, immediately when he talks about we've been waiting for this group for a long, long time, I think it kind of it it ups the expectations a little bit. Well, if if, if he's more the fans through the roof excitement. Coach Rose saying he's more excited than the fans. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, 
is that real? Like, can he be more excited than the fans? I don't think he says anything he doesn't truly believe. Well, and he's looking at it from a coach's perspective, what he can get on the floor. He can see where these guys fit in. He can see the potential that these guys have. Ah, the operative word being potential, which brings us to our Twitter question. When will this BYU basketball class reach its full potential? To answer this question, what's wrong with putting some things in order? And I will say right away, I, th- I have said it a number of times, and we've discussed this recently, different aspects of this same topic, but I feel like this BYU basketball team is two years away from really showing something special. Okay, They are being granted different rights, if you will, uh, opportunities with the new practice facility going up. There will be better opportunity, uh, more chances to work out whenever they want, however they want. That will help. And with the emergence and the influx of ESPN Top 100 talent, you expect that something good is going to happen, but I still think it's going to take one year. Year two, I expect things to really start to look fabulous on the basketball court for BYU basketball, but that's... It's, everything's not going to click right away in game number one and year number one. You just got to be patient. Yeah, it is very rare for things to click immediately, to immediately have the success. Now, that doesn't mean that, we, that, you, that you're a losing team. That doesn't mean that it's a bad season. They could be fantastic this year. But, you, but there, there are levels of success. And so saying that, that next year, this upcoming season, they're not going to make a run of the Final Four does not mean that the season is not going to be a good season. There are steps that you have to take and maybe bumps in the road that every program has to go through in order to know how to succeed. And I think that's what Coach Rose was talking about in that soundbite, that it's the youngest team he's had in his 11 years, and it's, it's going to take some time for everybody to figure out their role and find out where they fit in. You have to define full potential. And everybody's got a different idea in their own mind of what the full potential is for this class of BYU basketball players. Maybe it's the Final Four. Maybe it's the Elite Eight. Maybe it's getting back to the Sweet 16 and equaling what Jimmer Fredette and that team did. But what better way to look at the way BYU basketball has found success with great talent and progression from youthful players to that magical senior year that we witnessed from Jimmer Fredette in 2011. So let's take that as a case study. Without question, the milestones. When you win the regular season in your conference or the tournament championship, it makes a difference because you probably make the NCAA tournament. If you're the conference champions, you earn a favorable seed in March Madness. These things correlate and translate into one another. Conference champions, improved seeding, you advance further in the NCAA tournament. Now, how do you earn a favorable seed in March Madness? Well, what is a favorable seed? What is a favorable seed for BYU? I used to think, ah, single digit, that's good. I did some more research today and, hit, and looked at the history of BYU as a single digit seed and where they turn the corner for success in the NCAA tournament, and that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU has not made the round of 32 when seeded lower than eight in the Dave Rose era. What? <laughs> 11 years, if BYU has been an 8, 9, 10, or higher, they have never advanced to the second round, meaning to the round of 32 
and the NCAA tournament. They are 0-6 in round of 64 games as an 8, 9, 10, or 14 seed. 3-15 and all-time in program history as an 8 seed or higher in tournament history. So what does that tell me? BYU needs a good seeding, a favorable seeding, and that is a 7 or lower to have success in the NCAA tournament. And how do you get that lower seeding, Jason? How do you start that process? You've got to win your conference. Yes! Yes, yes, yes. Jimmer Fredette. They won the Mountain West Conference regular season three of his four years. They made the NCAA tournament, were an eight seed in his sophomore year, lost. Went back as a seven seed the next year, won. And then went back as a three seed his senior year, won, won. It's not science, right? It, it just lines up. So my point is, milestones have to happen. Full potential for full potential to happen, you have to look at the milestones, and it starts with the conference championship. Well, and, and I'm with you. I think year two is when I think this team should be firing on all cylinders. I mean, this year, while I fully expect the team to win and be successful, this, this is still the first year of this group playing together yes. at this level. Yes. So next year's the season when I think that BYU basketball, in this class specifically, can start becoming what we expect them to be. You've got a year under your belt. Everybody has been in the system for a year. I I think this year, I still expect it to be successful, but it's year two where I think we can start talking about realizing those you know, expectations are living up to potential. Twitter question today. When will this BYU basketball class reach its full potential? Let's go to the Twitter machine. You've got tweets. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. At Kiki Dean says, The Lone Peak 3 already know how to play with each other. Team starts clicking in WCC play and they really roll in two years. Some people think it's year number one. I say slow the roll. Give them a chance to get used to playing with one another on the basketball court again. Up next, it's BYU in the NFL with the Bill Huber talk and the Green Bay Packers. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. You can use the hashtag BYUS and if you feel so inclined to join our ever-growing conversation. It is a game day for BYU baseball back at Miller Park after a couple of weeks on the road. They're hosting Santa Clara for its final series of the regular season. Game time will be at 8 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Do you have your spot picked out in the dugout, Jace? Always. There you go, man. Always. Our BYU insider, literally inside the dugout (laughs) during the broadcasts. Our Twitter question today, when will this BYU basketball class reach its full potential? At Melicopter, when Mika, Bryant, and Emery are seniors, with Haas and Dastrup as juniors, the machine will be well-oiled. So if we do the math, the 2018-2019 season, but are fans patient enough to wait for that? So so this person's thinking year three, that it's going to take three full years for this team to reach its potential. By the way, I have no problem with that ideology. I have no problem pumping the brakes on that at all. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as we move from basketball to BYU football in the NFL is Bill Huber, publisher of PackerReport.com. Bill, nice to have you on BYU Sports Nation. Happy to do it. How are you guys doing? We are fantastic. You cover one of the most talked-about teams in the NFL, and when we talk about passionate fan bases, good grief – 
people own the Green Bay Packers. What is it like to cover a team that has public stock and that so many people are invested in? Um, maybe this is universal. I don't know, but you know, I, I think the fans think they're coaches, and I think the fans think they know more than the coaches. And <laughs> I just, you know, it's probably a universal thing that has nothing to do with people owning the team. But it's, uh, yeah, it is a passionate group, and they're uh, they're perpetually disappointed because it's been a whopping five years since they won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about expectations, good grief! Right. Now, Bill, we we always hear these stories about you know during on Sundays during a Packer game that literally the streets are empty. Is that is that is that an accurate assessment of what it is like when the Green Bay Packers are at home on a Sunday? You know, it's been a long time since I've been out and about on a Sunday. I'm usually at the stadium on Sunday, so I guess I can't I can't say. But you know, I, I've seen the you know just watching games on on my recorder afterward where they sometimes show the streets of Green Bay. So yeah, I assume so. It is uh it's. Look, it's it's a great city to live, but there's not a whole lot to do, and people love their football teams, for sure. The Packers have a few connections to the BYU Cougars recently. I know the Vic Soto was an undrafted free agent. He made the roster for the Packers and contributed, uh, did some good things up there. Mm -hmm. Now Rob Daniel, as an undrafted free agent, has been signed by the Packers, spent time on the practice squad, and now it's Manoa Pakula's turn as a linebacker out of BYU to try and do the same thing as Vic Soto and Rob Daniel. You wrote a piece on Pakula as he tries to make that roster. What did you learn in your conversations with him and with those that liked what he brought to the table for the Packers? Well, you know, he's—I mean, you guys—you guys know his story better than I do, but you know, he's a, he's a heck of a talented football player. I mean, he—if you look—if you, if you're a person who likes testing numbers. Um, he, I mean, he's the Packers drafted a kid in the fourth round out of Stanford, Blake Martinez, to play inside linebacker, and, and they need a, a guy who can play pass coverage. And he's a pretty athletic guy, Blake Martinez is. You know, Pakula's a better athlete than he is. Wow! So wow. if you're if you're basing it just on on measurables, I, I would say Manoa's got a heck of a shot here. I mean, he's he's faster than Martinez. He's got um, you know better change of direction, better vertical leap. So he, there's a lot of there's a lot of like there's a lot to like there. But as you guys know, there's also some some question marks there, too. When you look at free agents, undrafted free agents, trying to crack a 53-man roster, overall, it, it is very difficult you know, in, in, the, in the NFL. But the Packers have been one of those teams that seem to have had success with undrafted free agents. In your opinion, how difficult will it be to make this roster? Um, I mean, it's certainly not a given. But I don't think it's a long shot either. Look, this is a team that went in the draft. They had a, they, they were pretty suspect there at inside linebacker to begin with, and then you know they, they got by the last year and a half with Clay Matthews, their Pro Bowl linebacker. They put him at inside linebacker basically because shoot, they, I mean they they had nowhere else to turn. So they stuck him there. He went up. He went. It went well, but they're moving Clay Matthews back to outside linebacker. So there's an automatic void at inside linebacker. Um, then on top of that, they cut one of the guys who started about 10 games from last year. They've already got rid of him. So that's, you know, basic, basically 10 of your 16 games that were started by Clay Matthews and, and the other guy was uh, Nate Palmer. Those guys, aren't, they, those guys aren't part of the equation anymore. They drafted Martinez, and then they signed Manoa and a kid from Mississippi State, uh, Benicas Brown. So, you know, I, if, if you're losing Matthews and Palmer – I think common sense says they're going to keep two guys. Obviously, they're going to keep the draft pick, so it might be the battle of the undrafted rookies of Pakula versus Bonica's Brown. Or maybe they, or maybe they keep them both. Um, another factor is one, one of their projected starters right now is Sam Barrington. 
he's been on IR two of his last three years. So there's not a track record there where you want to put a whole lot of stock in him. So, you know, I, I would say coin flip at worst for him to make it. Bill Huber of PackerReport.com with us on BYU Sports Nation. Given that Packers personnel and the higher-ups have seen a guy like Vic Otto make the roster and now are dealing with a guy like Rob Daniel and these guys that played under Bronco Mendenhall's tough-nosed defenses, which seem to fit right in line with what the Packers want to do on a year-to-year basis, and that is just hit people in the mouth. Does that give an advantage to Manoa because he comes from BYU and there is at least a little bit of success that they have seen with BYU players in Green Bay? Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I, I, I think, and, and I think you got to think this. I, I mean, you got you got to take each individual guy as each individual guy. I don't think you can live on on what players from the past did or didn't do. Um, but you, you know, Green, you, you mentioned their undrafted success in the, a few times here. And that was one of the, the key selling points here from Noel is, you know, he, at his pro day, um, Rob Daniel was there, and he struck up a conversation with Rob just saying, hey, what's, what's the NFL like? And, you know, Rob gave his story where, you know, he got picked up, you know, at the end of training camp. I forget where he's finished training camp. It wasn't Green Bay. The Packers signed him, and at the very end of the season, he got promoted to the roster. So, I, you know, that, at that point, Manoa was sold on Green Bay. He, you know, all these guys wanted is a chance, and and Green Bay will give their guys a chance. I mean, they're not going to play favorites with draft picks, I mean, up to an extent, I mean, if you're a first-round pick, obviously. But, I mean, they're going to play whoever's better, and I think that's a selling point here. And that's what sold Manoa and a bunch of the guys that they signed is, you know what, you're going to come here, and, you know, you might be undrafted, but you're going to get as good a chance as anybody else. And if you can play, you can play. And if you can't play, you will play. We've mentioned Rob Daniel several times during the interview, and as you mentioned, was promoted uh, to the uh, to the playoff roster this last season. Where does Rob fit into Green Bay's plans this year? Yeah, I think he's got a pretty good chance to make it. Um, you know, they they lost Casey Hayward. He was he started every game last year, played almost every snap. They lost him in free agency. So again, again, you're you need you need you need a body there. They didn't draft a corner. Um, they. Excuse me, there's an airplane going from my head. Excuse All me. good, um, man. <laughs> That's real no life. Anyways, um, so they, they didn't draft anyone. They signed a few undrafted guys, but, you know, they like Rob. I mean, he is, he, you know, Green Bay is a, a defense that likes to play press coverage at their corners, and, I mean, he's he's all about playing press coverage. I mean, he's, you know, if there's someone's face to get into, he's going to get into it. So I you know, I give him a good chance at it. You know, if, if, as an end of the roster guy, you got to play special teams, and, and that'll be the, the story, but, I mean, he's got – He's got experience here. He's going to come in, obviously, going to play. He's going to be behind all those other guys. And along with Hayward being gone, um, one of their veteran guys, uh, Dimitri Goodson, you know, he's been a, a disappointing kind of a special teams guy only. He's got a four suspension to start this. And so, again, I would think I would think all things being equal, they would, you know, I think they would probably give the, the job to Rob. Now we'll, we'll see how things go out in training camp. I, at this point, I would say he's got a, I would say he's got a pretty good chance to make it. Let's finish with this, Bill. I've always been intrigued about how the Packers interact with the fans and with the community up there. And during training camp, without fail, every year I see different Packers players riding fans' bikes to practice. And I think it's hilarious. And I, and I like the camaraderie of the sh- that they show and, and how they reach out to the community. Now, have you ever let one of the Packers ride your bike to practice? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I am I am lazy and I drive a car. <laughs> no, I'm not, but it, it is really cool. And, you know, the, the kids will be out to practice, 
you know, they, 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 the, the players commute from Lambeau Field to the practice field, which is across the street. So it's 500 yards, maybe, you know, 1,000 yards. It's a, it's, a, it's a fair distance. And the, and the kids will be outside the Lambeau Field door where the players come out. I mean, they'll be out there, you know, half hour, 45 minutes early. And, you know, generally, not always, but generally, a, one player will hook up with one kid, and they'll become bike partners for the year, and, you know, they'll get pretty close. And, and there's always good stories where, you know, not just jerseys bought, but you know maybe there'll be someone with with cancer or, or whatever among those kids, and they and they and they form a type. And it is it is a it is a long time tradition, and it's super cool to see. Look, players don't as much as we want them to. They don't have to communicate with the fans. They don't they don't have to do any of that stuff, you know. But but they do, and it's it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Has the whole Brett Favre thing now that he's been back has has that fully healed? Yeah, it has. Um, you know, I, I think what healed it. Was you know I think that Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl. I think that that was that was probably the, at, at that point I think the fans are ready to move on. I, I don't think part of me wonders about Brett still, and the, the, the cynical part of me wonders if this is just all about money because now the Packers can sell his jerseys in the pro shop, and you know Brett Favre's getting paid by the Packers for that to happen. And the cynical part of me thinks that's the case, but I think you know when they brought back Brett last summer. Um, in front of the fans, and it was, you know, they, they sold out the place in like an hour and just to go see Brett Favre, and, you know, you got a humongous ovation. And I think from Brett's perspective, I think that kind of, you know, let's let bygone me. He might not be thrilled with some things yet, but I think the welcome back he received really, really opened his heart back up to wherever maybe he was a kind of a bitter guy for a while. I think, I think, I think he's passed it and. Look, everyone's making money off the deal, so everyone's happy. Follow Bill Huber at Packer Report on Twitter, and he is the publisher of PackerReport.com. Give it a look. Bill, we appreciate the time, and we hope that uh, for Manoa Pakula's and Rob Daniel's sake that they get a chance to ride uh, some of those bikes to practice <laughs> moving forward for the Packers. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I appreciate your time, guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. Bill Huber on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Now, I know BYU fans are hopeful for all of the undrafted free agents, whether it be Mitch Matthews, Riker Matthews, Manoa Pakula. But having talked to him and understanding the personnel involved for the Green Bay Packers, that they are in need, in immediate need of inside linebackers, and with Manoa's like measurables yeah. during his pro day, and the fact that they reached out to him multiple yes. times tells me that they he re- he might be the guy, Jason, that has the best chance to make a 53-man roster out of all the undrafted free agents, even Mitch Matthews. Well, and, and if he makes this roster, this is just another example. of You hear people say, well, I'd rather be an undrafted free agent and be able to pick where I go as opposed to being a late-round guy. This would be a perfect scenario that would illustrate that because, as you mentioned, this is a need for them. If he can come in and perform, as, as Bill said, he's got, a, he's got a really decent chance to make this roster. During Pro Day, he talked to Rob Daniel, and at that point, according to Bill Huber... Of PackerReport.com, he was sold on Green Bay. Well, I was sold on Manoa Pakula. I saw that workout. Oh, at Pro he's Day. Un- he's unbelievable. He was fantastic. Manoa Pakula trying to make the roster at the Green Bay Packers, as is former BYU player Rob Daniel. I would imagine that both of those guys, with their roots, will be watching very closely as they attempt to make that 53-man roster when BYU takes the field for the first time. Countdown to the Wildcats. 107. We're getting closer to double digits, man. There's a little extra syllable there. Seven. 107. Seven. <laughs> we hadn't practiced that either. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. <laughs>
With you and Jerem, I'm not so worried. When Brian Logan does the <laughs> countdown with me, I have no idea what's about to happen. It is a wild card. Flip the coin. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, we play more or less. Will Cougar basketball have more or less than two wins against Gonzaga next season? Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. As we uh, announced yesterday on the program, BYU TV now on Apple TV. You can watch BYU TV live and on demand in full HD. Now you can get your BYU Sports Nation fix and complete access to BYU TV's video on demand library whenever you want on the new BYU TV app, BYU Live, and Past Game Studio C, American Ride. It's all there. What did BYU do against Colorado State in 1990? I don't know. Well, let's go find but out. But you can probably go watch it and relive all of that via Apple TV and the new BYU TV app available to all y'all. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines starting with baseball game day. The Batcats host Santa Clara. Game one of the final series of the regular season. West Coast Conference play, it all comes down to this week. Mike Littlewood tells us that he feels that BYU has to sweep the series against Santa Clara to have a shot at tying, at least tying, for the regular season conference championship. 8 Eastern game one tonight on BYU TV. Big, big series for the BYU Cougars. BYU women's softball begins NCAA regional play tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. The Cougars will face 15th-seeded Missouri, who they lost to earlier this season. The game will be televised on ESPN2, W. CC Defensive Player of the Year Lauren Bell will join this very program coming up in about 10 minutes. A couple of golf notes for you. The BYU women's golf team opening NCAA tournament play at the Eugene Country Club in Oregon. BYU will play their opening round following today's practice round to avoid playing on Sunday. Very interesting national publicity that is coming along with BYU not being able to play and choosing not to play on Sunday. Also on the PGA Tour, Zach Blair. This is updated as of the moment. Tied for second at the Byron Nelson Classic. First round, he's 200 through eight holes. And we are told that his putter is still very much intact. <laughs> Mids Volleyball head coach Sean Olmstead announced yesterday the signing of Miki Wahoeinen, <laughs> a middle blocker from Finland. Why are you laughing? I don't know why. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> he will oh. join the team at the end of the season and be available to play at the start of the 2017 Yowie season. Yowie Einan, yes. Wahowie Einan. <laughs> what? There's no... Wait, but, the... So why is the why there? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I, I don't know. I don't That's know. What, I'm going phonetically. <laughs> you know when they spell a name and then in parentheses they say, this is how you say yes. it. That is what I'm reading. Yes, no, you've done your due diligence. That's the thing. Like, I... Just, he sounds like a Finnish Polynesian when he's like that. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so good. I'm so glad you're here, Jason. Fantastic. Uh, I'm even more glad that we get to play more or less right now. More or less on BYU Sports Nation. We've had a torturous week of these games, if you will, that we play on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> Yesterday was... Uh, a torturous version of Would You Rather. And now we take a different look at more or less BYU basketball version. And we have gone to some very specific and distinct numbers that will relate to reaching full potential, which we talked about in the opening segment, starting with number one. We'll take it easy on you for the first one. Okay. BYU basketball will have more or less than 24.5 wins next season. Jason, do the honors. I will say more. Okay. 
Over the last five years, I, I was actually looking at this yesterday. Over the last five years, BYU has averaged 24.8 wins a season. And over those years, they've had players coming in, losing players, top players. And they've still maintained that average. I will say they will win more than 24.5. Jimmer Fredette coming in and out. Yeah. Tyler uh, Haas Tyler coming Haas, in and out. Now Kyle Collinsworth and Chase Fisher. They've had the influx of talent come into the program and leave the program. I, it's da- it's the Dave Rose factor for me. The guy just wins 25 games every single year. So 100% BYU basketball will win more than 24 and a half games. They will win 25 plus next season. It's going to happen. It's what Dave Rose does. Doesn't matter who he has playing for him. The guy wins 25 games. Number two. That one was too easy. BYU basketball will have more or less than two wins over Gonzaga <laughs> next season. You want, now you can take this one first. Okay. So that means if they have more, they would have to sweep the regular yes. season series. Yes. And win a third game in the West Coast Conference. They gotta win three games against Gonzaga next year. Waiting. I'm not <laughs> No, I'm not gonna heap that expectation on this BYU team. Good grief. I want that, but no. That I say less than two wins over Gonzaga next season. That's just asking too much in your number one. Or so what if I think if I think it's two, I have to go less than? It's that's not the game. That's why it's diabolical like <sighs> yesterday was. Because I think they're gonna win two games. Okay, then it's less. So I'll have I guess I'll have to go less. They're gonna win one of the regular season, <laughs> probably in Spokane, because that's just what they that's, do now. They've done that the past two and years. Then they'll beat them in the championship game of the West Coast Conference <laughs> oh, Tournament. You evil man, yes. Ben Bagley. Number three. BYU basketball will get to more or less than the NCAA second round okay. in 2017. Hey, let's take it up another notch. Why don't we? <laughs> why can't it just be like, hey, why BYU will ha- have more than one win in the NCAA tournament? But now it's they will get to either the Sweet 16 or they won't next now, year. This is, yeah, this is this upcoming season. I, I'm, I'm going to say less than. <sighs> I just don't want to put that type of pressure and expectation on them in year number one. Win the West Coast Conference Championship, and you got a great chance to win a game in the NCAA tournament. So not saying that BYU can't, and again, not that we don't want them to, but expectations-wise, I have to say less less than the NCAA second round in 2017. Like to, To expect a team to go to the Sweet 16 in year one is a bit much. Number four, do we dare? BYU basketball will have more or less than an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Funny you choose that number. What do you got, Jason? Oh, man. Um, well, I will say l- less than. Okay, what does that mean, though? Because when you look at the, how, less, depending less on how would you be define, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, so they're going to be higher than. Yeah, it's it's a very odd. This every March, this gets very confusing for people. Now yes. we're having this conversation in May. Is a high seat a good thing? <laughs> does does that mean one or does it mean a low seat? More means a <laughs> higher seed, right? I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm I, so confused. I think there will be a a nine or a ten. So whatever that is, is what I'm taking. Okay. Oh. I'm assuming that's less. <laughs> <laughs> Given the stat of the day, BYU to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament historically needs to be a seven seed or lower, meaning six, five, four, three, two, or one. They've never been a one seed. Uh, and to do that, they got to win the West Coast Conference Championship. Again, expectations wise, ah, oh, 
I hate doing this. I've gone less three times in a row. Yeah, I think BYU will probably be an 8, 9, or 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. I think they'll be there. I think they'll be there. But I, so I you're can't. confusingly going less with me then, too? Yes, okay. whatever that means. <laughs> I don't expect BYU to be like a 6 or a 7 seed next year just because of the, the time factor. It's been, it's been a rare occasion when they've been that. You've got to go back to Jimmer Fredette's last two years as stuff falls. Am I being punished by the karma <laughs> gods right now? Things are falling off the desk like, how dare you? How dare you doubt BYU three times in a row, The basketball Spencer. team is watching this and, and, and making things fall off the desk. Was that a basketball-related item that no, fell? it was golf. It was golf. And, and they're the ones that have received like this major karma boost, BYU Ooh. women's golf lately. So I don't know. Maybe... Maybe this is a sign. <laughs> Maybe it's a sign that we need to be for. Okay, but you're gonna convinced. love. You're gonna love number con- five for me. I am convinced. <laughs> Listen, BYU will have better than an eight seed. I I am not going against the karma ghosts. Karma sees right, right through now. you. Good grief! I'm done. Number five, Jason. You you do it by yourself. <laughs> The Lone Peak 3 will have more or less than an Elite 8 appearance at some point. I would like to preface this answer by saying I was going this way (laughs) before said karma interruption. (laughs) Of course it's going to be more. Do you think they'll go to the Final Four at some point? National. Oh, Jason, don't, don't. (laughs) I didn't finish it. I did not finish it. I did. Yes, they're going to go higher than an Elite 8. Yes, yes. BYU basketball will make a Final Four. Yes, absolutely. (sighs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't even start it. Don't even start that. Where's my goggles? Oh, man. I, I, yeah. I'm not not going. More than the Elite Eight. There have been. For sure. There have been too many, too many signs in the show today. (laughs) And too much going away from positive thinking. I, I think that if BYU ever had a shot, you know, you go back to Jimmer Fredette, Brandon Davies, Charles Abuo, Noah Hartsock, Jackson Emery, like that team was loaded. This team with experience and exposure after two or three years, that they have every bit the opportunity that that team did. I think that they are just and will be just as talented. So I say yes. BYU in the next three years with the lone peak three on the roster at some point has a great shot to make that epic Final Four run. How exciting is that? That the expectation level, the excitement level is there. Are we getting on the train? Oh, man. I don't know that. I don't know about that. <laughs> Up next, it's tournament. You know what? It's tournament game day for BYU softball. They're actually playing a game today. Lauren Bell will join us next. BYU Sports Nation continues, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard live from Studio B. So <laughs> not, much fun in the control not, room. Not sure what's happening in the control room right now, but there's a whole lot of syncopation and dancing going on. I can get on board with that. If you miss an episode of the show live or if you happen to miss what we just witnessed on the television side... <laughs> You can catch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 Eastern. Well, hopefully there's some uh, dancing going on after tonight's BYU baseball game. Oh, I see how you tied yeah, that in. You like that little segue? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cougars hosting Santa Clara tonight. It's the final regular season series. The Cougars will send ace Mike Rucker to the mount at 8 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Whew. Not sure how we move on after uh, the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> Download the podcast if you missed it. <laughs> 
a memorable more or less segment featuring Karma and the Studio B ghosts <laughs> getting involved in that. When will this BYU basketball class reach its full potential? At Coog Baca says immediate impact this year, but full potential has to be there last year. So 2018, 2019, unless they stop improving and gaining experience. Now, what we saw with the last case study that I brought up, Jimmer Fredette and his solid cast of characters, they improved each and every year. Why would, why would that not happen with this team? I just think it's logical. That we will see that type of improvement. You you would expect that, yes. And with a practice facility being built, no less. Right next door. Whew. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, our second guest on the phone today. It's an NCAA tournament game day for BYU softball. The defensive player of the year on the West Coast Conference, Lauren Bell, joins us. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Ah, yeah, thanks for having me. And congratulations. I mean, you received Defensive Player of the Year according to the West Coast Conference. What did that honor and that award mean to you when you found out that you would receive that? Um, it was honestly amazing. I mean, that award means more to me than a lot of things that they could have given me just because defense is just kind of my thing. So I've probably taken over, I mean, a mil- I say a million and that sounds a lot, but it's probably pretty accurate as far as how many ground balls me and my dad have taken every day. <laughs> so. I guess it. I guess it paid off. <laughs> well, so now with that said, as we mentioned, defensive player of the year, you're also second in batting average on the team at 377. You've got 60 hits. Or do you consider yourself a better defender or a better hitter? Um, I've always told people that I try to hit well in order to play defense. <laughs> so in order to um, you know, succeed on the field as a defender, you kind of need to succeed as an offensive player as well. It's just kind of how our game goes. So, um, in my opinion, I like defense as far as whether I'm better at one or the other. I'll just leave that up for somebody else to interpret. <laughs> First BYU player to win Defensive Player of the Year in the West Coast Conference. Again, we wish our congratulations for that. Now it's on to bigger and better things starting today in the NCAA Regionals in Columbia, Missouri. You get the host, Missouri Tigers. What's the team mentality like right now with the the awards, dominating those, and now going to face a Missouri team that you lost to earlier this year? Um, we're just really excited to go play against Missouri tonight. It's um, We were really worried that we'd get sent back up to the Northwest again, so really it's just, it's just so refreshing to be somewhere new. Um, as far as playing Missouri again after... Um, the last time that we faced them at Palm Springs, we aren't really worried about that. We've grown as a team. Like you said, we've kind of, we kind of swept the WCC this year with awards. I mean, not fully swept, right? But, um, we're really excited. We're kind of taking that momentum into this weekend and we're just ready to go lay it out on the field. You said you think the team has grown since that loss to Missouri. Where do you think the team has made its biggest improvement since then? Um, I think as far as our team chemistry, I think, I think that's the biggest thing because we've always been able to play. We've always been, you know, really skilled out on the field, up at the play, everything as far as that goes. But, we, you know, we really have each other's backs as it comes deeper into the season, and we're just playing really well together. So I think that's kind of like the biggest improvement that I think that we've probably made. What is the key to beating this specific Missouri team? Like when you have an attack plan, what, where does it start for BYU tonight? It starts with just laying your heart out on the field. You know, this is potentially one of the last games that any of our seniors could play. Really, it's one of the last games that any of us could play because you never know, you know. But it's just 
it's just kind of one of those things that we are just ready to lay out all out in the field, and that's just kind of our game plan to never give up, to just fight every inning, every out, every pitch. So, the team has eight straight conference championships, twelve consecutive trips to the NCAA tournament. But the team got off to somewhat of a slow start in conference play this year. Was there ever a feeling of urgency or panic for this team this season? Um, I wouldn't say that we've ever panicked. We definitely, after we lost that conference series against LNU, we all definitely felt a little bit more urgent. I would say that's probably a good word to really pick up our game and make every pitch matter um, instead of just kind of going out and going through the motions. So. I would just say that, you know, we're not we're not really the panicking type. We just kind of, we know our game. We're going to sit there. We're going to play our game. Nothing can really make us panic. I, I guess that panic is just like the best word for that. I don't think, I don't think that we're really a panicking team. So, Talking with Lauren Bell, Defensive Player of the Year in West Coast Conference Softball on BYU Sports Nation. She is joining us live from Columbia, Missouri, where the Cougars will open NCAA regional play against the host Tigers later tonight, 8 Eastern on ESPN2. You can see Lauren at shortstop along with the rest of her team. Making the NCAA tournament, let's face it, as Jason just mentioned, 12, 12 straight trips to the NCAA tournament for your coach, Gordon Eakin, and this program. But you want to take that next step, and you want to be successful. So how will you measure success this year in NCAA tournament play for BYU? I definitely think that, I mean, we're all ready to take that next step in order to make it to Super Regionals. And so as far as being successful, we just got to do little things this this weekend. And it's, you know, laying it all out in the field, bunting when we need to get our bunts down, making sure that we're scoring the runs when everybody gets on base, because it's those things that really win the game. It's, the nice big home run at the end of the game is awesome, right? But, you know, the little <laughs> things at the beginning of the game, everything like that, I mean, I know it's awesome. I've been there, right? So it's it's an, it's an amazing feeling, and it's, a, it's an awesome way to win a game. But in order to really pull it all together this weekend, we got to really do the little things every single inning, and that's how we'll be successful. Whether we win the game or we don't, like if we get outplayed, that's one thing. But we just got to go out and play our game and just, you know, just kind of let it come to us. Yeah, one of Lauren Bell's two home runs this year, a three-run shot in BYU's last at-bat to stun Pacific on the road. So you're right, you have been there, and we hope that you and your teammates enjoy some more of those uh, moments in the NCAA tournament. Good luck tonight. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma as well, if you will receive it, that is, Lauren. (laughs) Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. (laughs) You got it. The Gregorian Chants are playing. The karma has been transferred. Lauren, great to talk to you. Good luck tonight. Awesome. Thank you so much. Lauren Bell on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. She likes to hit to set up her defense. How about that perspective, though? Like, this might be, yeah, everyone's like, yes, this could be the last, you know, one of the last games for our seniors or whatever, but she's got that, that wide angle lens on, like, look, you need to cherish every yes. moment that you have. You don't know what's going to happen and how it's going to play out. Like, you need to treat this like, this might be my last game. I like that mentality. There's a desperation factor there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it keeps people... Not ed, on edge isn't the right word, but it keeps them hungry. BYU taking They're on hungry. Missouri tonight. Check it out, ESPN 280 Eastern. Up next, we'll get you caught up to date on everything that's going on across BYU Sports Nation in the Cougar Whip Round. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Jason? I think we should whip it. Okay. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Golf. 
The women's golf team plays their first round of the NCAA tournament today in Eugene Country Club in Oregon. BYU will play their opening round following today's practice round to avoid playing on Sunday. Also, Patrick Fishburne finishes the NCAA Division I Regional in Albuquerque, New Mexico, tied for 53rd, shooting 22 over par. Baseball. BYU Baseball hosting Santa Clara in the final series of the regular season. Game number one, Mike Rucker, the ace, 10-0 on the mound tonight. He's going to be 11-0. It's going to happen. Now, BYU still has a shot to win the WCC with a strong showing this weekend, which, translated by Mike Littlewood, means if they sweep the Broncos, they've got a shot. Watch game one tonight. 80s from BYU TV. Softball. BYU women's softball begins NCAA regional play tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Cougars will be facing 15-seeded Missouri, who they lost to earlier this season. The game will be televised on ESPN2. Volleyball. Head coach Sean Olmstead announced Wednesday the signing of Miki Hjauiainen, a middle blocker from Finland. He will finish, or will join the team rather, at the end of the season and be available to play at the start of the 2017 campaign. Cougars in the PGA. Mike Weir and Zach Blair have teed off at the 2016 Players' Championship at the TPC Four Seasons Resort in Irving, Texas. Zach Blair is tied for third through ten holes, shooting two under. Mike Weir is tied for 74 through six at three over par. You have a perfect golf channel voice. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) That low resonating tone. (laughs) Future guests on the show, how about Ului Lapuaho? The offensive linemen for BYU are a hoot. Tooney Knooch was fantastic. Louie also has an amazing personality. Be sure and join us for that. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. I'm going to give it to the BYU softball team and all of the award winners and first teamers. I mean, they cleaned up. Gordon Eakin, co-coach of the year. McKenna Bowl, pitcher of the year. <laughs> we just talked to Lauren Bell, the defensive, defensive player, player of the year. year. Good, Ashley Thompson, offensive player of the year. Really good stuff. Thanks Are to you, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say thank you to our guests today, Bill Huber and Lauren Bell. Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. The show on demand, BYUSN.com. Podcast on iTunes. For Jason, I am Spencer. Shout out to Greg Kite. We're back tomorrow at noon Eastern.